This is the Muscles and Management Podcast, where we build your body and your business. Talking all things training, sports performance, and business for athletes and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and better your career. Muscles and Management is brought to you by Challenger Strength with your host, Jerry DeFilippo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 142 of the Muscles and Management Podcast. Back at it again this week with another awesome show. Uh, if you have not already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show, uh, especially leaving a rating uh, or review on iTunes would be very helpful. Um, I can't tell you guys enough about how excited I am for the last couple months of this show and, and what's been going on, the number of uh, impressive guests we've been able to have, the feedback that you guys have been giving, posting it on your story, on Instagram, retweeting it, um, the DMs that I get, and honestly, just like the unexpected people that I, I see listening to the show um, that I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I'm kind of still naive to uh, how much this all has grown and uh, it always kind of catches me by surprise, but uh, very excited. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, I also want to say thank you because uh, you know, this is going to be the first episode, uh, that I will read and add on, uh, as you sure, I'm sure you've all have been seeing, uh, over the last several weeks, I've been tweeting that, uh, I am doing a sponsorship with Manscaped, uh, getting a discount code for their product and, you know, sharing it with all of you and, and just a, n- a new step, uh, that we are taking with the show that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I had been hesitant, but, uh, just seeing how many really cool podcasts and really uh, cool and interesting people in the industry have been working with them, it kind of made me uh, a little more comfortable to kind of go uh, take this next step. With that said, as I mentioned, uh, discount code for 20% off uh, and free shipping to any Manscaped products, Challenger 20, uh, that's C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E-R-2-0. Um they sent me their product, uh, and I've been excited to get it for a really long time. Uh, a lot of my friends have used it. It's becoming very popular, as I'm sure all of you have seen. And they directly instructed me to do the ad read after I used uh, the products and, and to kind of hold them and, and have them in front of me when I do the, do the read. So that's what I'm doing. Um, I can't tell you enough about how impressed I am with the product here. If you're a, a guy, um, I have a lot of male listeners, a lot of coaches and athletes that listen to the show. Uh, if you don't have one of these things, uh, figure it out and go get one. You need to. Um, you know, it's it's 2021. We got to look good. We got to be groomed. And, and uh, you know, I think that's just something that should be assumed these days. Uh, I think their product is the best way to go about doing that. It's waterproof. Um, you know, it, it's built in a way that, like, you're not going to get cut. Um, you know, if you've ever used anything to shave your beard, your chest hair, like anything, like, let's be honest here, let's be real, Manscaped, we know what, uh, what you're trimming with the product, uh, you know, you've been worried about cutting yourself or, or doing any damage. Um, this thing, man, it was the most carefree, uh, shaving experience that I've ever had. And, uh, I really, really liked it. And just the, the pr- presentation of what they do with this is just really top notch. So, um, you know, whether it's the lawnmower, uh, the cologne, they have t-shirts, uh, boxer briefs, um, all different types of stuff, uh, razor blades for your face, just just tons of different things. The weed whacker, I actually got my dad a weed whacker for his ears and nose. If I have any older listeners and you have ear or nose hair that you want to get rid of, that is a tool for you. Um, overall, just loved uh, the presentation, like I said, how uh, high level it is in terms of what they do uh, in making the product, and uh, I couldn't be more impressed. So go check it out, Challenger 20, 20% off, and uh, free shipping. Really, really excited to be working with them, and uh, I look forward to getting you guys some discounts on uh, their stuff. 
With that said, today's episode, Rob Hill, Stefan Jones, really excited to have these guys back on the show. As you know, they are part of our most uh, highly listened to episode of all time. That's saying something as the show has been growing. Um, you know, a lot of time has passed since we had them on the show. So talking a little bit about what's changed for them or, or some new ideas and things that have really been kind of uh, big in their training for the last year or so, uh, anything that they don't and uh, no longer believe in in terms of what they're doing, kind of just updating on, on how they're training their athletes and what things they're doing. And then heading into 2021 and the rest of the year, talking about what things are looking forward to learning, uh, any new suggested learning material for you guys, stuff like that. Uh, once we get through that, we're really hammering some important topics. Uh, we're talking isolating uh, specific ranges of motion in training, throwing athletes, um, overcoming isometrics. As you know, if you follow Stefan, he does a lot of stuff like that, just like I do. We're getting Rob's opinion on it from the pitching end, um, you know, all stuff like that, which is really cool. And then we're also getting a little bit into the needs of each leg when it comes to throwing athletes. What does that mean? What are what's involved in that? Um, you know, how should we maybe be training those legs differently when it comes to the high level throwing athlete? Um, you know, we're talking all about that type of stuff. We're getting a little bit into different mindsets when it comes to the time of year in which you're training your athlete. All that type of stuff. So uh, really excited for this one. You guys are going to love it. They are awesome. Just take your damn notepad out and scribble some notes down and learn from this thing uh, because they are great. I learned. You are going to as well. So sit back, relax, enjoy this. Uh, We will be back to you guys next week with another awesome episode. Enjoy. Peace. All right, everyone. Excited to welcome back on the show, Rob Hill, Stefan Jones. Guys, excited to have you on. Uh, I hope we can top ourselves from last time. Uh, my most downloaded episode of all time going into uh, today. So we have pretty big shoes to fill. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, th- listen, th- I could honestly say the amount of times that that episode, I look back and it's crazy because um, a lot of time has gone by, but like when I, when we originally did it, I felt like I had the show for a little while and now I look back and it was like episode 34 and now yeah. this is going to be 142. So it's pretty crazy, um, how fast that went. But, uh, even to this day, like how long ago it was like, people still tweet about it. They send it to me. They like post it on Instagram. Like, it's pretty cool that like, it still has an impact on a lot of like people who even just find it now, you know? Well, what were they interested in then? What, why was it so interesting to them i i think the combination of like you from your background um you know rob like just seeing and i think this is why like i i wanted to do the episode with the two of you together at the time was because i felt like there was so much there were so many similarities in the disciplines and what you're training your athlete to do and with cricket and what rob's doing and then kind of me being like the middleman here uh kind of saying like all right like what do I see as a similarity from what the two of you post and talk about? And I think that's like the coolest thing to them is seeing like two people that are really highly regarded in their areas, but like the things that cross over and can be beneficial to like rotational athletes in general. I think that's gotta be like the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Something, something that just kind of crossed my mind. And I think part of what would you say it's mostly baseball players that are sending it to you, Jerry, or, or other rotational athletes as well? mostly baseball. And I think that's like the cool thing is they're like, wow, I didn't realize like how much of what just rotational athletes do in general is important for baseball. Like they, they don't think yeah. about that. Yeah. I think it's, it's cool. Cause it's, it seems like we're almost on, uh, I mean, I think it's happening, right? Like we're on the precipice of, of like a paradigm shift in the sport, you know, where it's, it's, it's starting to turn into less of like a, a traditionalist uh, approach to things. 
and more of like, oh, baseball players like should actually be uh, strong. And uh, oh, wait, but they shouldn't just be strong with you. They should be like specifically strong. They should be looking for specific adaptations. And I think it's really cool to to see like how far things are going and and also uh, knowing how much further we need to go still. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Steph, I know when like I see you talk about stuff and post stuff sometimes like it, it's kind of cool because you know, like isometrics, for example, feeling like, oh, like I, I kind of like had this idea or I was thinking about something or that makes sense. And then I see you post about it or like uh, even something as simple as like if I post something and I see that you liked it or like you enjoyed it, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like yeah. I must be I must be on to something here. And it's honestly been cool to see. Like I saw uh, Strong by Science, Max Schmarzo yesterday, I think it was on Instagram, uh, mentioned something that he had learned from you. So it's mm-hmm. cool to see, like, I think from the face surface level people would be like oh cricket like that's such a different thing than what we're used to doing here in america like why would i get any benefit out of a guy that works with people that play that and it's like well actually there is a lot right (laughs) yeah Uh, so the interesting i'm in sort of a a unique position i think because i I work in a school uh at a a, i'm a director of sport at school so i have access to great equipment i have time and I don't really have to answer to big organizations. You know, I spoke to the Chicago Cubs last week to over 200 coaches, I think, from the franchise. And I was saying stuff to them that that they probably wouldn't have thought of because they can't, you know, guys at the top can't experiment with an athlete. Whereas, whereas I can, you know, where, where the, the whole skill stability paradigm and the isometrics just came about of just playing around, you know, just holding the positions that are needed in bowling that back then I've got the knowledge I have now, but I, I looked at videos and thought, wow, he does that, he does that, and they bowl fast, so that must be a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then I just held the position because I, I, I'm i a big Christian Timberdu fan, so he he was big on ISOs and he, he did some progress for me. And then it's just joining them together then, which – no, we all know it's special strength, isn't it? A combination of strength and technical work. And but I was able to do it because I have time. And if I get it wrong, if I get it wrong, you know what? Next week I just won't do it. I still have a job though, but yeah. I just won't do it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's an awesome point. Um, you know, someone who, myself in the private sector, like you do have a little bit of more room to uh, play around with some some different things. And, you know, I'm not going to like wake up and be fired tomorrow, you know, unless a client just tells me they don't want to work with me anymore. But, um, you know, it allows you to like, you know, have a little leeway and to find new things. And I think, both. I mean, I know both of you would agree, Rob, I mean, like the, the stuff I've heard about you, like the different shoes that you would wear um, and all that kind of stuff. Like you are obviously someone that pushes the envelope, Steph, I know you are too. And I think that's what like I admired so much about the two of you. And, you know, again, like I said, back to the, the beginning of what we talked about, like why I wanted to have you guys on the show way back. Um, and I think the other cool thing too is Rob, like, you being someone that is very knowledgeable in the technical side of pitching, like you were a pitcher yourself, you got yourself up to, you know, 96 miles an hour, like for you to welcome the stuff that people like us are doing with open arms, it means a lot because I think a lot of what we get pushback on is you're not a pitching guy. Like I'm, I'm considered a strength coach. Uh, Steph's working with um, fast bowlers and cricket. Like we're not, yeah. traditional pitching people and i think sometimes like there could be some pushback on like what we're doing like oh who the hell is this guy to, to say that like 
a pitcher does this when he throws. Like he doesn't work with pitchers in terms of like the bullpen area, whatever. And like having someone like you kind of like say, no, like they, they are making some good points and uh, the stuff that they're saying about the body and plyometrics and power, like it makes sense. I think that's really, really big for the industry going forward to let some outside people have some positive impact, you know? No, I, I fully agree. And I, I think it's like, Largely, largely, I have a, a heart for for you guys because I, I technically like am one still. You know what I mean? Like I, I was like, yeah, somewhat embedded in the game, but didn't play at the level of of especially the guys that I'm uh, helping out now. Um, so like I, I obviously can like see the benefit of the outside perspective, and and that's just something that I, I think like uh, people talk about. I know in business all the time where it's like somebody who doesn't have experience in the field isn't biased by a bunch of things and they can like kind mm. of force through the trees a little bit. Yeah. And like, whereas I might not have the the playing experience or a lot of the coaching experience of some people on the actual field. Uh, I, I can just like, I've seen a lot of training, you know, I've seen a lot of good training. I've seen a lot of bad training and uh, I, I just try to, I try to do as well as I can to draw applicability from uh, wherever I see fit. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that that's that's pretty big and uh, something that like we could all try to benefit from. And I've honestly even had people bring that up to me. It's like, hey, like, don't always look at, um, you know, it's, I, I beat up, beat up on myself sometimes like, oh, like, I could I be as smart as some of these other guys like that have degrees and whatnot. And uh, it was brought up to uh, to me by a colleague of mine saying like, hey, like, it's honestly a good thing. Like, you're not weighed down by like all the dogma and the traditional mm-hmm. way of thinking that you would get in terms of education in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of could see, see things with a little bit clearer of a mind. Um, in that sense, I want to pose this question to both of you before we roll into some of the, the technical stuff that I want to talk about. I guess, Steph, you can go first. Over yeah. that past year plus since we've been on the show together, uh, maybe something that you were doing at the time that you don't do as much anymore in terms of your training and then something that has been kind of new for you that you've really enjoyed and you kind of come across over yeah. the past year or so. Yeah. Let me just go. Can I just go back to two? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, it, so I, had a, I had a message today. From, I get lots of messages from top level SNCs um, who actually probably see me as like a champion of opinions really because they can't say it but because I'm going to answer for anyone and and the post I put up I don't know if it was to this morning or yesterday about doing too much heavy weights uh, bringing too much to the party at a young age so what I say is don't dig the well so deep you lose the bucket and I had mm-hmm. an end I had an NFL coach message me now and he said that's spot on because he was one who used to play and by the end, sort of mid-twenties, he just couldn't couldn't do anything. You can get any quicker because that well is dry. You know, why bring a whole toolbox to fix a door when a screwdriver will do it? So mm-hmm. I think we give too many uh, techniques and methods that stimulate the nervous system too young. Uh, and I said about me then, because when I played, so I was a rugby player and a, a cricketer, so when I played rugby, I was probably too thin. When I played cricket, then it was fine. But then I wanted to be a rugby player, professional. So I had to get bigger. But I was like, the coaches cricket don't want me to do weights because it doesn't help. So I didn't do weights until I was 22 years of age. So it was all it was all sprinting. It was all long distance running, if I'm honest, and skills. So I used to free play. You know, that dopamine rush that I got from free play, I watched my dad train and coach and play and then when I was 25 I hit the gym and I put on about 10 miles per hour in two years 
of bowling. And people go look at me and go, what? 10 miles per hour? You're having a laugh. But actually, looking back <laughs> at it now is, yes, because I hadn't gone to that well, mm. I hadn't got to the max strength well, and that's why I had a huge surge of velocity. But then, obviously, I hit a ceiling then. But I was able to maintain high 80s, but it was just a really interesting interaction I had with, you know, proper coaches, I call them. You know, Rob is a proper coach, you know. It's And it's um, I'm seeing, like, the, the gobby one on the other side of the world who can have his opinions. But, like, but so it, it answered your question, sorry, five minutes ago. No, that was – I'm glad you made that point. That was um, So I, I still don't – I don't Olympic lift and um, – and I never will, my fast bowlers. And again, that's not to say I don't like it. It's not to say I don't do it. And it's not to say it's not beneficial. But I don't see it beneficial for a fast bowler. You know, the yeah. cost-benefit ratio is, is it's no point doing it. The inter, the intramuscular coordination is just totally different from fast bowler. And it's a skill itself. So why not use that 10 minutes that I'm going to teach someone to do exactly. a to yeah. do fast bowling? Yeah. I, so uh, I also don't do lots of uh, single leg work closer to the season. So that is a, that's a new thing, I think, because um, it's just too close to fast bowling. It, it the pattern is just it just confuses the system. You know, neuroconfusion. I'm big on DB Hammer stuff. So actually, and that goes against what a lot of people would say. But my single leg stuff is. Uh, start of GPP singer. Hmm. I might actually do. And I wow, know that's you, really interesting. I like I, that. I, I know you can ask a question now. Would you train the back foot and the front foot differently? Actually, back foot step ups, front foot is lunge. And then the closer I am to the season, then because I'm bowling, there's nothing I can do in the gym that's going to help my bowler um, bowl quicker because he's bowling. It's like a ground contact time of below 0.10. So I need to take him to the other end, what he's not doing in the skill, and that's strength. So that's when I go to my trap bar deadlifts and my uh, bilateral mid-thigh pull stuff for the isometric, for the neural potentiation benefits of that. So it's those are the two. Th and the, the band, I don't use a lot of uh, compound dynamic, uh, you know, the dynamic day, and I put a post on that this morning. I don't do a lot of that now because – Attention increases at the end range of a movement. Well, actually, due to leverage, the end range for a bowler is when it's maximum momentum and it's speed. So it's actually training the wrong way, training backwards. So those are the three things, really. Yeah, that that's a really interesting point. I, well, actually, I mean, there's a lot there that we could uh, branch off on. But I think the one thing you said that I really want to touch on um, – so, so uh, Rob, this is I'm asking a lot of you here, but here's what I want to do. We're gonna I'm gonna say the thing that I that he said that I want to talk about, but then I'm gonna mm -hmm. ask you to answer that question before <laughs> but before we before we get to that. Um, real quick, you mentioned step up, back foot, lunge with the lead leg. Yeah. Is that okay? So I want to talk about that. Like let's let's hold on to that. But Rob, go ahead. I'd, I'd like you to answer that question too. Something maybe you were doing a lot of about a year ago. Uh, that you aren't doing so much of anymore and maybe uh, something new that you've kind of uh, started implementing that you, uh, you haven't, you've been enjoying. And I know you could be a little restrictive with what you're allowed to say with organizational stuff, but whatever you're able to talk about is, is good. 
Yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, I'll stick like more philosophically than anything else, I guess, because uh, I, I think that's actually been one of the bigger shifts for me. Um, and it kind of has similar ties to what we talked about earlier in terms of um, just like being in the private sector versus being a professional baseball. I would say like uh, the, the biggest thing that I've changed like philosophically is is like not thinking as uh, not thinking in as much terms as like I need to make big, giant adjustments with guys. Uh, and I don't need to just like kind of put the cart before the horse and like throw a bunch of technical language at them and throw them infinite drills and stuff. Uh, these guys are elite athletes, you know, and, and as we all know, like elite athletes are elite compensators and uh, they will find a way to execute something. Um, and so like uh, a lot, a lot more of, of my philosophy has turned into like conversation and like asking guys basically uh, creating awareness of things in the delivery or in, in whatever we're working on. Uh, has, has been a, definitely a big shift rather than just like front loading a, a bunch of jargon and, and uh, having a bunch of stuff like that. And then it's so it's like once you bring the awareness to it, a lot of guys can just do it. And it's pretty insane uh, to watch. But then it's like, OK, once they can do it, then you layer on the other things to kind of make that uh, kind of groove that uh, pattern and, and make those things stick. So that's that's definitely a big one. Uh, anything new that I've been doing also uh, or anything significant that I've found lately? Um, I would say, uh, just that like, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of really smart people online and, uh, as, uh, democratization of like baseball knowledge and training knowledge is getting bigger. Um, it's been like a really cool thing for me to like, listen to what other people have to say about certain things. So like different med ball drills or, uh, one, one that comes to mind, uh, one specific drill is just like a different way to do, uh, like a scap retraction throw. Uh, in pitching, right? So instead of like driving the elbow back uh, behind your body with your arm, uh, basically like neutral or in like slight internal rotation, just like doing it at like a more of a 90 degree angle to kind of simulate the position you want to be in at the plant. Like that's been one that I've seen recently that I thought was, was pretty significant. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my answer there. Yeah. I think that's, that's really cool. What you said too, about the um, let's, let's say two things here. Uh, Steph, you mentioned about, um, kind of the inverse idea of like what the traditional look is on what we're doing in GPP going into or, or at the start of the offseason versus what is considered like, hey, now I'm working towards transferability um, as the season gets here. And it's kind of like you look at it in a, in, a, in a different way. And I would agree very much with you that, you know, you're getting in season like I'll give you an example. Like I, I, I work with a lot of hockey players. Um you know, I want to be doing things that uh, maybe are more general in a sense during the year because, like, they're skating so much during mm. the season. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not going to be as worried about, for example, uh, maybe, like, getting them to do a a sled pull or push on, like, a lateral angle with their shoulder that would mimic the movement of skating because they're already doing that a lot versus Versus like, okay, let's just say, let's just stay healthy and stay strong. Like we're going to work the adductors a lot to make sure they're not pulling, pulling that um, with all the volume of skating that they're getting and really like doing a lot of the stuff that gets closer to what they're doing on the ice in the times of like the summer, really. So like, I agree with you on that. Um, and I also really much agree with you that, you know, how many times, like, you know, I've seen the example brought up before. It's like, oh, um, you know, the, the, a medicine ball that you're throwing in a rotational, uh, you know, context 
is too heavy to be the same as what you're going to do in sport, let's say for hitters in baseball. And I would say to that, like, well, then why would I just do anything else but just hit if that's the case? Like you're making it – then then it's at that point it's like, all right, like if you're saying I'm never going to get anything closer to hitting that I should just hit, well, my response to that would be, well, I need something that the hitting's not giving me. Mm-hmm. So maybe the heavier medicine ball gets me to put a little more force into rotation and I can't get that with a 35 ounce bat or however mm-hmm. heavy the, the implement is. So I love what you said there. It's like nothing you do in training is going to be as close or, or, or in the same realm as the impacts of them actually fast bowling. And they're doing so much fast bowling already. Why would I try to do something so close to that? Like, I, I think that's something we need to really think about a lot more often. And then the other thing, Rob, that you said is uh compensators right like how often do we try to and this is something i would say for myself personally like if i'd answer this question on my own the last like two months or so that i've really changed is like stopping you know hey i have to do the left side throw for the righty um don't yeah, want them yeah. to get don't want them to become in bounds i'm like one how naive am i to think that four throws on the left side is going to over going to out uh are going to fix all of the reps they're getting righty when they play the sport and the second thing is, like, what's so bad about just giving yourself reps on the side you're actually going to use in the sport? Like, I don't have my baseball players run baseball starts from the other side that they would when they're on the field. We just yeah. do them. It's a skill. If I'm trying to get better at that start, I just do that start. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think both of you saying, I think those things really mesh well together. Like, sometimes we can overplay our hand in thinking we could either control enough, like getting rid of compensations that maybe we just want because – you're like that that's their that's their activity. And then like Steph, like you said, um, you know, our goal isn't always to replicate the exact movement. We're doing the movement already. So like why would we try to do that? I think those are two great points you guys made. Yeah, it it, it does depend on where you so for for me as a, a cricket coach, I obviously I used to play, your season would end and then you'd have uh, I can't remember, I think it was five months to prepare. So firstly, uh, I think um, at the minute, the practice is that you don't do your skill for about four months and then you do it a month before, which is, I find, ludicrous as well. But it's uh, that as I finish my season, then I need to then sort of correct imbalances and and then I go, which would be general, and then you do, you have a look at your technical model if you need to improve, then then the skill stability gets involved. So I get really sort of uh, static with my drill work. So it's the same positions in part that I'm overloading, creating feel, manipulating time under tension, stabilizing the tractors, eliminating time, all of this, because we all, we all know that speed sort of cheat allows you to cheat technique which is why I came up with the skill stability and then I go the other side then it's general you know we need to get out of the habit I think of trying to sort of um, not replicate because I do love my special strength stuff but understand the purpose of a gym the purpose of the purpose of a gym is to train what you're not not doing in your skill yes along the force velocity curve that's the purpose of it and but you still need to do your skill and i think that that gets lost in translation in different 
because you have an SSC who just wants to squat until you drop and then prove that, look, I've done my job, look how much you can squat, no. And then you have a technical coach who goes, hang on, you just got to throw a bowl until you get better. Actually, can we meet in the middle somewhere? <laughs> it's yeah, in the middle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was like, sorry, sorry to jump in here, but yeah, I no. mean, that, that was the exact point that uh, like really resonated with me a couple of years ago when I first reached out to you, Steph, was just like, because I had run into that that problem of like, all right, I'm going to go do my baseball stuff and now I'm going to go do my lifting stuff. And then like at uh, the, the place that I trained in college was was did a decent job of, of blending it, but it wasn't to the extent that but uh, it's like, how, how dare they cross over? Right. Like that's how yeah, many yeah. people think like that. Like it's crazy. Yeah. No, it's 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 insane. But like I but I wasn't doing enough. Like it was it was a really brutal thing where it's like I wasn't doing enough skill stuff to get better at the skill and I wasn't doing enough strength stuff to get better at the strength. So I was kind of just like, bleh. So yeah. <laughs> like selling out to to a model where like you're integrating the two, I think is just like by far the best. And it's it's like the best I've ever felt. I, I, I think I messaged you might have seen this, Stefan, but I recently actually bought your uh, your skill stability uh, program. Uh, all through the all throwers general one and i've been doing it for the past couple of weeks really yeah yeah that's awesome man. obviously like I've, I've bastardized your your program over yeah, the past that's cool. years. That's what I do. <laughs> like i've kind of taken it over uh the past couple of years and just done my own spin on it uh but lately i've just been like stagnating on my training and then uh the computer has been calling my name a little bit too much so i was just like all right screw it i'm i'm going all in so i've just awesome. been uh, i've been crushing it it's been it's been a heck of a freaking week man those tempo Tempo runs are, are no joke. Is it? Uh, can are you enjoying it? Can you see sort of the thinking behind it? And oh my god, yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's just like a slightly less pitching. Speci- That's why it's the all throwers, right? It's just like a slightly yeah. less pitching specific yeah. version of the one that I kind of created for myself. Yeah. Um, but I like I like the way that it's broken down. And and like you said earlier, you know, it's uh, teaching the, or like training each leg independently of one another and, and doing those things, but also integrating like the delivery positions, the throwing, the rotational stuff, the dynamic stuff. And it's, it's honestly like one of the more fun programs I've ever done also, because I feel like incredibly athletic. So, so uh, going back to that sort of the, the, the topic uh, and the one thing I've learned, uh, this year, I reckon is fascia the importance of fascia and it's that you get different camps that and the same with the biotensegrity against the mechanical Newtonian uh, model. It's like, this is the right way. This is the right way. Actually, I try and blend them all and trying to make it sense for me. Uh, But fascia just resonates perfectly with me. Seeing sort of the bowlers from India who have no, uh, Poor athletic development, let's say. They, they don't do anything, but they bowl. They do their skill. And I tell you what, who what bowlers in the world have the best technical model? It's Indian bowlers. You know, they, they're mostly hip-dominant bowlers because, you know, eccentric, nothing you can replicate in the gym, uh, in the gym is going to replicate the eccentric forces and the ground contact times that happen in bowling. So they've all got a great mechanical model, and that's because they bowled from a very young age. Their fascia has molded, and Davis's law with the remodeling and the stress lines and the collagen deposits. So that's why they can bowl in a great technical model. But what they don't have is that force capacity then from the contractile elements. So that's why it's a different training technique for Indian bowlers hit the gym, 
for for British and Australian South African bowlers. Hang on, get out of the gym. I know you look good. <laughs> go, and go and do your skill and work in technique. And that's based on environment, how they're brought up, and that's fascia. Uh, I think it is the future, understanding the importance on fascia and the negative impact of big compound lift like squats for high reps and bench can have on your stress lines and it just confuses the whole system. So that's why I'm big on isometrics because you're getting what you need to from the nervous system, but then I'm not conflicting the the Davis's law, the fascia lines, man. It's no. Yeah, I actually, so you mentioned a point and, and I had a pretty good example of this golfer that I work with basically going to the skill guy he had worked with and, um, you know, quote unquote, working out or training or strength training, whatever, wherever they were calling it. But like, you know, hey, like cable machine or really, really light bands, like doing the rotational movement with not much difference from what it is when he's actually swinging the golf club. And you mentioned just like it's a, it's applying the movement pattern over the course of the continuum of force and velocity and saying like, okay, you really are proficient in the skill part of the movement. Like you've been swinging a golf club, this kid in particular for so long, and you're really good at it technically speaking, but there's just not enough force in that movement and yeah. taking, taking him and saying, okay, you're going to do a heavy isometric overcoming isometric pull um that's actually that's something i've i've really immersed myself in in the past like year or so is things like that like um realizing that when it comes to rotation um like if you were looking at the vertical jump like the the far speed end of it would be just doing a regular counter movement jump and the uh closer to the force side would be like that you know heavy trap bar or the the mid thigh pull or whatever realizing that for rotation the heavy pull against uh, rotation in an isometric is like the version, the force side of that, really. That's yeah. what I've kind of realized, like being really into the whole idea of like tangent force and, you know, the, the stronger you are in resisting rotation, the more it takes you to kind of initiate rotation and then more power kind of um, gets released out of it. Like that's something I've been really like into in the past year or so. Um, but realizing for this kid that like, he was so forced efficient that we just did a lot of that stuff and his drive went up like 40 yards, but he was starving for that. Like he wasn't getting it. And I think it was because they were trying so hard to just stick to the skill side of things. And Steph, like you mentioned those, those, um, that you, or you mentioned your own experience, like having not never gone into the weight room before finally doing it, like, boom, I, I put 10 pounds of muscle on, I'm a lot stronger. And like that bucket was so empty for you that it really did a lot. Like there was a lot there for you to get out of that. Um, and I, I think that's something I'm passionate about is telling people like, we don't need to just do what the sport is to get better at it. Like we wouldn't. We don't just run sprints to get faster. We use loaded sprints, whatever. It's the same thing. Yeah, that 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 is another thing that that actually some people sort of look at me peculiar as well. I, I genuinely believe in speed before strength. So I, I believe me that, too, like, me that, too. Yeah. that yeah. youngsters should be sprinting and jumping. You know, my daughter is just sprint and jump, and then same with me when I played. There was just speed, and then strength. Charlie Francis was big on that, wasn't he? And then strength will come far easier when yeah. you just, just yeah. you're just a better fast twitch animal, I think. And and that's so that's how my that's how my season looks as well. You know, 
I would start in the off season with a sprinting. So it's uh, what I call it general in nature, but specific in need. So you go your jumps and your sprints. And the specific and the specific one would be ISO skill stability, holding front foot contact. So that I'm getting a speed in a general exercise, but a sort of uh, a force at no velocity on the specific side. And then it just swips, swaps over then. I'm a big systems guy. It sounds complicated, but it really isn't. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I hear what you're When you say, you mentioned something before, so I wanted to ask you, you say skill stability and you're like, we can keep increasing speed. Um, in, in a sense, are you saying like, okay, if I have like, let's say energy leaks, we talk about it in sprinting yes. all the time. Um, like I would say that's like the biggest skill thing that I help athletes with is like sprinting technique and, and whatnot. Um you know, if you have energy leaks, uh, it's like how much higher does my output need to be? Let's just say on a scale of one to ten, like I know if I exert a certain output, my energy leaks like deduce two off of that. So let's say my output's like a six, but I have some technical in- inefficiencies, and now it's only a four because it's not kind of efficient in how I'm exerting it. You're saying like, okay, um, I could either look and say, okay, like I need to go from a six to a ten, so that now I'm at an eight. Or I can just shore up the leaks that I'm having at the same time, and now I'm really in business. Yeah. So, yeah. For, for me, so I, I, I'll just say this last thing is that technique underpins everything. Yeah. Technique is everything. What yeah. happens at, at and training needs to explore the limits where the technique breaks down. But the problem is that strength S and C programs at the minute just mask over uh, technical flaws. Hundred percent. So it doesn't actually improve performance. You're just actually maintaining a poor technical model. And and that's why, for me, technique underpins everything. And that's where the skill stability comes in. It's holding positions with a strength S&C mindset that you would try to lift a, a bit of tin off your chest, but actually doing it for technique. So let's hold a 200-kilogram uh, barbell on your back in a front foot contact position. Now that is going to transfer. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, like this quote that I, I think Ian Walsh, you guys might know who that is or not, but yeah, he, I do. Yeah. He works at combine uh, baseball in uh, North Carolina. Does a lot of really good stuff out there. Go follow him. People who are listening to this. Um, but I remember Walsh a couple of years ago at driveline just said like, you can't deadlift a fastball. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's only so much you can do from the strength side, but like if the skill side isn't being like fed properly, then it just genuinely doesn't really matter how strong you get if the skill isn't being developed, you know? And that's, that's really where I see uh, like things like what Stefan is doing and, uh, and other people as well uh, mattering. Right. Cause it, it just like, okay, at the end of the day, like what matters, you know, like you're out there on the mound, uh, you're, you're pitching. Uh, the hitter does not care that you can squat 405 and bench 250 if you throw 87 because you have terrible mechanics. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's kind of that it is what it is, you know. And and I think you, you, what you said, Stefan, about it, it masking over those things, it's 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 definitely like uh, something I've I've observed is like an overcompensation almost. You know, it's like oh, everyone just needs to get strong, get strong, get strong, get strong, get strong, get strong. Don't care about mechanics. Don't care about mechanics. Get strong. Get strong. It's like okay, well. Uh, what if um, I can gain a lot more velocity by improving uh, my skill while getting strong in like the right way, you know? Yeah. Or what if I am already strong and powerful? Well, what if I am already not, strong, now what? Do yeah, I just, I'm, not, I'm not increasing my well? velocity because, you know, there's just so many inefficiencies. Like I, I, it'd be impossible to. Yeah. Um, and, and you're also like, 
you also have to think about it from the perspective of just like workload management, you know, like that, that was something I ran into a ton where it was like, I thought that just getting stronger uh, and spending a ton of time getting stronger would be like the thing that I needed. Uh, when in reality, it was like, I should have probably just like actually stopped lifting and done a lot more sprinting and, and things that I'm currently doing uh, and, and grown a lot more. I think that it's that I stick to the concept. Uh, I might be wrong. I might be right. Is that, you know, the gym might improve you athletically, but it doesn't make you a better athlete. And there's a massive, <laughs> massive, massive difference in that, that people can get, yes, it improves your athletic de development and general strength. And that's why I don't post a lot of pictures of someone trapped out deadlifting and bench pressing because they do that. Yeah, they do. But that to me is a given. That is yeah. athletic yeah. development, but it's that's not going to Exactly. But to, to be a, a, an all-round athlete with cracking functional specific athletic development you know that's an all-encompassing picture of knowing what your dynamic strength index reactive strength index and all that is and then where do you sit what you need what do you need to improve on do you need yes. more speed? do you need more strength do you need technique that's the first question you should be asking as a coach yeah. what does that person in front of me need Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like an omelet, you know, like what ingredients do I want to put into this omelet to make it how the guy needs it, you know? So it's like, oh, uh, this clearly needs this or this clearly needs that. Like, I, I think that's the right way to think about it. And I think a lot of the, the reason a lot of people like poo poo these sorts of things and are like, oh, that's that's eyewash or whatever. It's like largely out of fear, in my opinion, uh, because they're like, oh, God, what if that works? Then like a lot of my stuff isn't as relevant. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, that's just kind of how it goes. So it's like my my. Uh, the thing I say to people, or, or at least think uh, when there's people like chastising uh, methods uh, that are like clearly working, it's just like, okay, well, how about this? You come up with something better uh, and like put it out there, show better results. Uh, and then like, all right, cool. All right, oh, you're not going to do that? Sounds good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of put your money where your mouth is, right? Like you have something else better to do. It's like, okay, let me, and that's another thing too. Like there, there's so much conflicting information out there. Like, um, you know, I posted this lateral jump where I had the athlete, you know, basically do a quarter rotation turn into landing, um, kind of more similarly to how they would on their lead leg when, um, uh, when pitching. And it was like, oh, well, that's not exactly how it's, it happens when they pitch. I'm like, okay, well it is checking off at least some of the boxes a little more similarly to that. So like, why would that be a bad thing uh, yeah. to do? Or it was like, oh, like is a pitcher really thinking actively about, you know, pushing off their backside? And I'm like, well, so from who I've talked to, like some say yes, some do think of that, and some say that they don't. But you can't remove the – you're still not going to change the fact that, like, the planes are matching up and, you know, it's more similar in that sense. But then getting DM'd from somebody like, hey, like, don't listen to that. You're actually more on to something than you think. Here's a study from, like, 2013 that was, like, pretty popular about how, like – you know, lateral jumping distance and a couple other factors that you've been discussing a lot had a big impact on velocity. Um, you know, if, if so, so it was just like, okay, well, I kind of felt like, all right, maybe like I got to keep on plugging away here and not just let one or two people really, um, you know, make me think that I'm doing something wrong would be only because they're insecure that like, that's not how they get it done. And if someone else finds another way, it's like bad for them, you know? Sure. I think I think that study was is it Dr. is it Greg Lehman? I think here I'll tell you I'll tell you right now. I have it. I could go in my DMs and find it. I, I um, think 
Uh, Greg Lehman, like the physio Greg Lehman? I've had him on the show. I don't know if that's the... Uh, but there is the ref, there's definitely a positive correlation between your lateral jump. Ah, okay, here we go. Correlation of, my internet sucks today, it's snowing here. Uh, Graham Lehman, yes, yes. Yeah, I've read them all, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so Steph, that's a, an example of like, listen, I'm not a genius by any means, I'm like a smart and meathead terms, I guess, but... Um, you know, me being like, okay, like let's look at the let's look at the motion, frontal plane, transverse plane, yeah. um, this, that, the other thing. Huh? Okay, the lateral jump must be significant. So we would do the lateral. I, I, I actually started for, force profiling um, lateral jumps. I mean, I say force profile it sounds so complicated. Just simple as like counter movement versus more of a static type thing and measuring it out um, and and just kind of seeing like, okay, like. Maybe how can I load a lateral jump in training if they need more force in it or, or to more rate of force development? Kind of the same idea we've been talking about all the entire show. Um, and I posted something about it and I got some pushback. Like, oh, like the lateral jump we found isn't very um, – doesn't really transfer over. Like some of our best lateral jumpers don't know how to rotate so they don't throw hard. I'm like, all right, why don't you just teach them how to rotate then? Yeah. Oh throw harder and nothing we can do as we say is going to replicate what that's what do. i'm saying yeah like i was just trying to find a little so, segment of it really yeah, you've got to, that's what i do you know you've got to with a bowling action uh, or pitching uh, i'm massive into my baseball at the minute one day i will be over i'm telling you that's my aim two years i'm going to be over with you guys let's and, go <laughs> so you you've got to isolate you identify a technical flaw you isolate it, you constrain it, you overload it, you repeat it. That's the process I came up with. And then it's small sections of the action. Is it? Is that not right, that technical, because there's um, – is there a hardware or a software flaw? You know, is it yeah. muscle or is it brain? And then you work out from there then, and it's, um, it's a process that uh, – but ultimately, technique underpins everything. Yeah. No, I, I think about it similarly, uh, kind of like what you just said. Is it is it hardware or software? I think like almost the exact same terms, but I just think like, okay, is this like a capacity thing, uh, like a range of motion or or is this more like a, of a motor learning thing? So basically yeah. exactly what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. It's something even as simple as like you want to draw all the way back to like the ABCs of everything. It's like, okay, you see an athlete squat. They're off their, their heels are coming off the ground. Their feet are spinning out. Do I need to look at them and say, okay, man, you got your – your hips aren't strong enough. You have no ankle mobility. Or do I just need to tell them, hey, man, like do it this way. And it's just yeah. nervous system. And then they just yeah. do it right. Like that's, yeah. and that's the difference. Like how many times I had this conversation the other day with a, a very close friend of mine in the field, uh, all-American sprinter, like really, really smart guy. And I sent him a video of one of my athletes. And I'm like, you know, he was he was it looked really good to the naked eye. But like, obviously, he's going to find like small little things here and there. And he's like, hey, like. He's having a little bit of trouble um, making ground contact on his forefoot. Um, you know, let, let's try to see if it's an actual physical limitation or if just simply cueing toes can get the response that we need. Like, I think there needs to be more of that. I tweeted about this a little while ago. Like, don't always assume that it's a muscular issue. Um, you know, how many times a hitting coach has said to me, oh, uh, the athlete's having trouble with their with their d cell pattern or um getting into this position i'm like well odds are it could be a skill related issue like maybe you need to be texting yourself this and you need to figure that out because i don't always think it's like oh they don't move their scap well like maybe it's just a skill deficiency yeah bingo it, it, i think it, it, really that 
like the next step, right? Is like determining what those things are, but for like larger swaths of people, you know, uh, instead of instead of just like, oh, everyone needs to uh, fit into this arbitrary model of like uh, proper mechanics. It's like, okay, why can or can't they do the, these things? Do they even know what these things are? And then like like Stefan just said, we need to like apply all those different uh, things to them uh, to drive those changes, or just bring it up and and have a conversation about it, and and maybe they can figure it out, you know. And that's why, for me, it's like, so, another controversial one, but you know me, I, I'm not sure about isolation exercises as well. I, I think they're going to make a comeback. And I'm talking about your bicep curls, your calf raises, your uh, flies, because, you know, like I say, based on game knowledge now on fascia, so if you have a bowler or a pitcher that is lacking somewhere they can't brace or whatever they're too they can't rotate until you hip until rotation then actually let's isolate that let's isolate that with a a grooving pattern overload it constrain it and then to get the benefits of whatever high threshold motor units in that muscle itself without ruining the whole uh sequence the fascia davis line let's Davis' law, let's isolate it and superset it. So, you know, if I can't, when I'm bowling, if my bowler can't feel their pecs when they're bowling, well, why not pre-fatigue it? Why not pre-fatigue it to create feel there? You know, yes. I, just, I love that, just, yeah. Just small things like that. There's no right or wrong answer. It, it, it's the right answer for your athlete and you as a coach. Just bring what you've got to the party and have a go to see what works, man. You know, nobody's, nobody's, everyone's saying isolation work doesn't work, or you've got to squat this and that and that. Well, actually, what works for you? And you know what? That's all you've got to answer to is yourself. Yeah, ultimately. I, to, sorry, uh, I know, Jerry, you want to say something, but that, that just reminded me of, I, I've been recently, uh, I, I finished this book called Super Thinking, uh, the big book of mental models. And uh, yeah. one of the lines in there uh, that really resonated with me was like, if you are not embarrassed by like the first iteration of the product you bring to market, like oh, you want yeah. too late, you know? Um, so like basically what Stefan just said, like, just go, just determine like what you think it is as closely as possible and go and see if it's good. See if it's bad. Iterate from there. That's the only way you're going to make progress. And I know Jerry, you talk about that a lot, you know, like you were embarrassed of the stuff you used to post on, on Twitter. I was as well. I, I, people will randomly go back and like my tweets from like 2018 or whatever. And I'm like, that, like Oh fuck, that's oh, horrible. <laughs> I got to go delete that. But then I'm like, no, like that's cool because. But there was some stuff, good stuff in there. Like, like yeah, bro, if I go back and look at our first conversations, if I go back and look at some of our first conversations, I'd be like, mm, I wouldn't do that exactly that way. But there was some good stuff in there at, at like the base level. Like, I think that there's, the There's stuff a, needs the better stuff, though. That's basically what I'm saying. Is like, without, no, no, I'm, I'm saying I agree with you. I'm just saying like there is. It's I'm, I'm trying to give a give like an example of like it's okay. Like that's that should happen. Like that's normal. Um, but it doesn't mean you weren't thinking some good things. You know? Yeah, exactly. No, and and yeah. So it's like you you take the good with the bad. You figure out. You iterate, and then you, you just keep going because like ultimately all you can really do is just throw more chips in and and see what you get. You won't know if there's a better stuff until you do the original stuff. Bingo. So you, so you need to do the first thing first and then work out from there whether there's something better. Yeah, I, and I, th I think it's it's you gotta you're 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 not gonna be a person that's pushing the thresholds of learning new things if you're afraid to look stupid sometimes. Um 
And I think that that's important, um, you know, doing something and, and it not being uh, acceptable to like I, I posted a 24 year old athlete of mine. He's an advanced guy and he was doing a barbell bench press and like letting the bar go and just catching it like he's got enough, um, you know, motor ability to be able to do that. Like I wouldn't have an 11 year old do it. And I got some pushback um from the field on it like the the people that are like are always really careful about doing stuff and i'm just like oh man like if you like how many times do i have to see someone tweet if they're not if it makes them possibly get hurt we shouldn't be doing it performance for uh injury reduction first or keep them on the field i'm like man like you're never going to push the envelope that way like do it responsibly but like you got to expose athletes to some kind of stimulus um it, it, like they're they're never going to be ready for their sport yeah you've got to walk that knife edge if you want to make change man you've yeah got to, and that's what that's what it that's what we're doing to the body isn't it we're asking it for it to do something else to change so that is the tightrope but it's that's when your skill as a coach then backs your own ability and go i know what i'm doing i'm on a knife edge but this is going to work out and that's what coaching is ultimately isn't it that's what DB Hammer stuff there you're doing. Catching, was it? Reactive work. Force absorption with the bench press, was it? Yeah, it was it was like I have the push bands I use for, for VBT. Um just like the idea of and, and, and that and this is like okay, this is just this should never be a reason why you definitely do something, but like it was a listed exercise on the app that is used by a lot of people. I was like, all right, I'm not that crazy here. Like other people are doing this. Um but it was just like, okay, like if I let him release the bar, have you seen you you seen uh, Max Schmarzo talking about this XPT machine yeah. where you can um, do ballistic exercises and the bar get catches on the machine? Yeah. And how, how awesome it is because like obviously we know basic strength curve stuff like you're going to decelerate through extension because you're stronger there. And my thing was like to let let him just throw the bar a little bit out of his hands and just re- and just catch it afterwards so that he doesn't stop um, – accelerating and someone's like oh why don't you just use a med ball I'm like because the med ball is 15 pounds and this is like 120 like it's a different yeah. um it's a different mindset like i said i'm not gonna have a 13 year old do it he's 24 he's a pro baseball player like he's gonna be able to catch it like he was fine with it he's trying to make an affiliate ball team he's got to push the limits of what he's doing like you know mediocrity if you want to throw 82 for the rest of your life and, and never make it let the genetically superior people tell you just to take it easy because they have the keys to what you don't have yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's right. That's right. I think like, uh, that, that, that actually encapsulates something that I think about quite often. Um, it's just like, if uh, it, there's like a spectrum of like elite to like very, very poor. Right. And if you're anywhere, uh, on the opposite, like end of the middle, uh, you need to do a lot of things like that are pushing you consistently, uh, towards like what you're looking to get. And like, I know Stan efforting one of my, uh, one of my guys that I, I really enjoy his stuff. Um, just like general philosophies and some training stuff as well. But he, he just says like, if you're trying to become a professional athlete and you're not consistently taking your body to a place it's never been before, I hate to be the one to tell you, my friend, but you're not going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's just like, I, so an athlete of mine, big fan of both of you. Um, I, he might've actually been one of the reasons I, I, I thought about getting you guys on the show together because uh, he, he had way back because he had been like, oh, I, I looked at both of these guys and uh, I love what they're doing. But he was like, yeah, like I tried it their way and I threw 82 and got Tommy John. So like 
damned if I'm not going to do everything I can to, you know, get to a certain point. And now he's, you know, he's a 95 mile an hour guy. And it's just like, it's, you need to push that little bit to, you know, get to that point. If you don't have it in your genetics, I think that's, that's super important. Um, all right. So, so about 10 minutes, because I know Rob, you got to get back to moving stuff. Um, two things I really wanted to hit touch on before we wrapped up. One thing, Steph, you mentioned, and I, I, we were going to talk about isometrics a little bit, but, um, you know, some of the isolation stuff working its way back in and some of the pushback you see, like uh, Rob, Dean Jackson, a couple of nights ago, posted a um, super maximal uh, eccentric, uh, pr- uh, basically like a single arm preacher curl. Yeah. And some guy commented, how do you train the end range? And it's like, I do that all the other times I do stuff. So why the hell do I give a shit? Um <laughs> And I think the same thing too. It's like, we're so worried sometimes even with positional isometrics, like, okay, you have a mid thigh pull or like you can isolate different areas of like how extended or flex the legs are. What about the rest of the range of motion? I'm like, well, I'm doing this exercise to particularly zone in on this. So like, I think that's okay. Like, what do you guys have to say about that? Like, why are people still so caught up in that? Uh, I'll, I'll take it first. Yeah, you go up. No, you got it. You got it. So I, I, that depends for me on the training age because, see, I, I'm a big fan of isometrics and I'm a big fan of partial overloads. So, and there's, I always have the question when I get a bowler to hold the front foot contact um, in an overcoming or a yielding isometric, what about the other leg? I'm like, no, this understand where this is now. This is technical work. And it's this is the range of movement that happens in the skill itself. Yes. Everything else, like the squat, and that is athletic development. But I, I I, do think there's a massive place for partial range movement because you're obviously stronger in it. So it, it, it's a massive training effect that you wouldn't get anywhere else. So, I, I, yeah, I do lots mm-hmm. of isos, partial, fun- functional isometrics, isometrics what's it called isomyotronic or something where you have a concentric and an and uh, isometric contraction so uh, I, i'm a big fan of limited range of movement training yeah no i i i completely agree and and i think it's like it, it ultimately comes down to just what we kind of been saying this entire time right it's like if a guy is incredibly weak in an end range which uh, a lot of people are who've been training just like mid-range stuff their entire lives um, i.e. me for, for a long time, um, then like, yeah, definitely like exposing uh, myself, I know, to a lot more end range stuff, end range ISOs, uh, like what's well, very, very beneficial for me. Um, but like that doesn't mean that doing uh, something in the mid range isn't beneficial anymore or doesn't uh, adequately prepare my body for like the, the rigors of throwing. Um, so I think that there's just like a place for both. But I, I do like Dean's take. Uh, specifically just like Dean is always pushing the envelope on those things and, and really trying to find out like the next thing. And I really commend him for that. Um, but like, yeah, I, there's a ton of applicability to be drawn anywhere. It's just a matter of when and where and who. And yeah. The biggest, for me, the biggest limiter on anything to do with uh, velocity is the Golgi tendon organ. And partial range movement is the best thing to uh, desensitize the GTO. So that's why I would do it. That's way over my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> but that, uh, that is the it's yeah. um that's why that's why I do it. And that's why um you know you superset a partial bench press with a uh, a bowl, you know, a delivery, because the 
the activation, the potentiation you get from a, a supermax lift is going to far exceed anything you get with just a normal lift. So there's there's a time and a place. As long as you know why you're doing it, do it. You know, do it. Don't have to justify yourself to anyone. If you think this has a purpose in your training program, crack on and do it. Don't have to answer to anyone, man. It's like well, the, the social media is a nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, if you can do something in your training and like if I do something jump wise and I see like it elicits a higher jump, like I don't really care if you tell me it doesn't work because I just saw that it did. Uh, and that's that's a big one. Um, all right. Wrap, wrapping up here. I wanted to just touch on the different responsibilities of each leg for throwers um, a little bit from both of you and see where you guys stand on that and what you're thinking about it um and then and then kind of close things off so i guess rob if you want to start with that one um and your and your thoughts on that and like i know like you know i sent you that lateral jump with the rotation and you thought it was you you were a big fan of it um and then steph i want you to talk a little bit about the step up versus lunge thing that you're doing yeah 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 i'll I'll just keep it like super general because i think that uh, kind of like what I said earlier about just like bringing awareness to things and uh, creating, helping guys create mental models of like what their mechanics like uh, functionally need to do. Uh, largely, I just say like uh, the, the, something I'll say a lot is just like back leads to front, like whatever that means to you, back leads to front. So like if you're doing something really bad on the backside, uh, what you're doing on the front isn't going to work super well. Um, so like you can do all the all the uh, those those th- things that you did the other day uh, that you sent me. Uh, Jerry, you can do all those in the world and, and, and create like great force uh, ex- acceptance into your lead leg. Um, but like if what you're doing on your back leg isn't like adequately allowing you to express that capability, then like you need to address that, you know? Um, so like I would say that uh, additionally, like and then like training them differently has been a huge benefit for me. So I do a lot more like shock training and like uh, chaotic stuff with my lead leg and just like kind of building up the underlying structures there for uh, being able to land however I want and and handle those forces. Um, but I, I try to do it as much as I can in integrating uh, something with the back leg. So whether that be uh, like a pre-turn type drill uh, or like a shuffle into it um, and and just trying to like groove that pattern that I want. Because I, I used to be a big like a jumper early extension uh, guy down the mound. And as I've kind of shifted myself to a slightly more like hip dominant uh, rather than like a knee dominant guy like I used to be, um, uh-huh things have really like clicked for me and allowed me to access uh, some of the stuff that I had trained on my lead leg for all those years. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I say it. That's kind of like, I guess what, what I think. And one, one more thing really quick. Um, it, it's just about like finding, and I'm going to keep going back to this and I know it's very broad in general, but it's just about finding like where each guy is and, and meeting him there, you know? So like, um, like uh, different back legs are going to, are going to move differently and different front legs are going to uh, need different things. Like not everybody needs to get into hyperextension as they release uh, some uh, movement towards extension is, is probably beneficial, but there's, you know, there's guys who sink into some flexion and then like, it just stays there, which is great. But like they, it's, it's all about just like finding where the leak is kind of like you said earlier in the, in the technical uh, skill. And then just like creating things around that to, to address those issues. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. It's, it's simple, but like you mentioned too, um, there's a time and a place to separate maybe, but then a time and a place where like you want the front leg doing what it needs to do, but only because the back leg did what it had to do. Like there's a time where uh, you want to have both of those things going on. Like I could 
even do like a drop off a, a, a depth jump uh, or drop jump or whatever and kind of just try to stick the landing if I'm a right-handed pitcher on my left side and like get get used to that um, that force. But like there is going to be a benefit too to getting that to happen only after the other leg did what it would usually do as well. Like I think there's a time and a place. So I think that was a really good point that you made. Uh, Steph, definitely touch on the – Can I say one more? Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, the, 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 I just like, I think a, a good mental model for it is just like order of operations. Like everyone remembers that from math class, but it's just like, uh, it's a good way to think about like drills too. You know, like you can do one that's like at the end of, uh, at the end of that spectrum, uh, where it's just like addressing the front leg or whatever, or you can like do a drill that kind of addresses that sequence, you know, where it's like back leads to front, whatever you want to call it. So I think, yeah, order of operations is an interesting way to think about it. So uh, I agree 100%. And it's the same in fast bowling. So the back foot contact in fast bowling, because you have a run-up, is a reflex action. It's reflexive. Nothing we can do consciously during the bowling itself will change it. So that's why it all starts with back foot. That's the first place I look at, whether the heel touches the floor, which tells me they lack eccentric strength, they're on the back foot too long, and then you can't have front side extension without rear side rotation. If that back foot is still closed, as I say, you, your pelvis is still closed and you're not going to be able to extend your front leg forward, swing leg retraction, plan from above and brace your front leg because you're limited. Anthropometry is limited. You're doing a side lunge. And I, and I see it a lot in pitching, actually. I don't want to speak out the turn, but because it's so much tension, you're limited amount of tension in the pelvis, but you need some, but there's so much tension on rear side because of the rotation, you're never ever going to be able to extend forward into a block because you're still, all your tension is still on rear side. You're on there for so long. And in uh, and in, pit, in pitching, it, it might be fine because I know... Um, uh, no, you're, you're, you're right there. I, I think something that I say in regards to that all the time is just like, yeah, obviously like loading the back leg matters, but like, how do you unload it? You know, yeah. if you can't unload it, then like the load doesn't matter. Definitely. That's, that, that's a big thing. It's a difference understanding between rate of force development and rate of force transfer, that runs rate of force transmission. There's a difference, you know, and that's why. Yeah. Back I, I, I tweeted that yesterday, actually, the, the back leg being more of like a traditional use of the stretch shortening cycle, um, versus the front, the, the the plant leg being more like efficient in the amortization phase of how it sends the force back up the chain. Like you need to think about that when you're training. Yeah, definitely. Back foot is more tendon because of the ground contact time in bowling. So that's more uh, transmission, you know, tendon stiffness. So I would train the back foot contact more overcoming isometric. It's about tendon. Uh, yeah just increasing the thickness of that tendon and then the front foot contact with the correct sequence in that pivoting that allows you to have front side extension becomes more about extensibility, mobility under force. And that's rate of force development because you probably have about three times longer on front foot contact than back foot. So that's why you train them differently at a certain stage of the year. And, and for example, and it's all about the center of mass as well. On back foot contact, your center of mass is over back foot. It's on there. So that's a step up, you know, a partial range step up, dead start, poof, explode up, overload it, 
uh, desensitize the goalie tendon, overload the system. Then the front foot contact, my center mass then shifts forward. So then you're getting into a lunge. Again, that's general because a lunge would be uh, sort of collapsing. But initial movement, you're absorbing force, you're managing the collision. But then you you create it, you transfer it, make it more specific with the skill stability. So it's holding that in the Smith machine. I've put it up loads of times. Holding a yielding isometric because then you're having the eccentric and the isometric component to front foot contact, which you don't want on back foot contact unless you're a knee dominant bowler. But I could go all day about hip and knee. Yeah, no, I think that was. I mean, a great way to end, too, because that's been something I've been wanting to uh, kind of discuss. And even just as practical as like the, the obvious parts about it, but then getting a little more specific with it. Um, I think it's something we're going to see a lot more people exploring uh, in the coming months um, into next year. I think that's really interesting. It's something I'm going to definitely be on the lookout for. But uh, I, I want to thank you guys both for, for taking the time to come on again. Uh, this was you know, as, as great as I expected it to be. Um, and, and I'm obviously going to be excited to see what everyone thinks of this one after the first one and how, uh, how, how popular that was. So uh, I thank you both for coming on. And uh, this was awesome. Pleasure, man. Let's start, let's start uh, a hashtag, bring the Welshman to the major league. Let's Maybe. do it. Let's go. Yeah, Jerry. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, uh, absolute pleasure as always. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, well, we'll obviously we, we keep in touch. I'll, I'll be in touch with you guys soon and I'll let you know when this is going to drop, but thanks again. Sounds good. Have a good fight, man. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of muscles and management brought to you by challenger strength. I'm your host, Jared Filippo, signing off from the show that's changing how we view sports performance, training, and business.